0: If you would please turn to Job chapter 1, Job chapter 1. I want to preach a message this morning. What about when the devil goes to church? Interesting couple of verses here in verses 6 and 7. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I plead again this morning for the filling of the Holy Ghost of God that you'd do a work in hearts. If there's any here without Christ, convict them of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, I pray that they would seriously consider their need for the Son of God and turn to Jesus Christ and be saved today. I pray for believers today. Lord, give us an understanding of how our enemy works, that, Lord, we not be ignorant of his devices. Have your way in our hearts and lives, and Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I believe one of the things that we understand about the devil, of course, is whenever God seems to be working in a place the devil's he may not be the actual one to show up because you understand the devil is not omnipresent that is an attribute that only belongs to god however he has many of his demons and no doubt he sends some of them into places to help create a problem as a matter of fact if you keep your hand here and turn over to second corinthians chapter 11 you have an interesting statement in the church written, to, or the letter written to the church of God at Corinth, in Second Corinthians chapter eleven. Paul says this: For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers. ...also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness... ...whose end shall be according to their works. Even in a good congregation... ...in a good congregation... ...there may be some people who are not saved... ...some who are fake... ...and there might be someone and some people... ...who are simply backslidden on the Lord. I'll tell you what, you take a Christian that's backslidden on the Lord... And they can be just as bad as a demon coming in sometimes. It's amazing some of the things that take place. Matter of fact, we find Paul warning the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20 verses 29 through 31. He says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Now, obviously, what takes place here in Job chapter 1 that we read to begin with is not a church service. Notice what he says again, beginning in verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Now, we're not going to argue what day it was, whether it was a Sabbath day or a regular day, because it really doesn't matter. If it mattered, God would have told us. We'll not argue over the location as to where this took place. But when the Lord looked down and he saw the sons of God gathering together, there was Satan. What are you doing here? Where have you been? What's been going on? And of course, he goes to and fro throughout the whole earth. There are some lessons in this that I believe are good for us to understand. You know, a lot of people don't understand church. For some reason, people think church ought to be a place where everybody's everything they ought to be. And I don't know anybody that's everything they ought to be all the time. It doesn't happen. I don't know any Christian that's everything they ought to be all the time. As a matter of fact, the reality is those of us who are saved, we're simply sinners saved by the grace of God. We had to come to the place where we recognized we were sinners, deserving of an eternal hell. We came to that understanding from the Word of God, and we had to be honest before God to admit what we were, sinners in the sight of a holy God. And thank God that's who Jesus came to die for. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. You see, I recognized myself as a sinner back in 1971 and I took Jesus Christ as my personal savior and he saved this sinner like he'll save any sinner that comes to him and he gave me eternal life. He made me a new creature, but he did not make me a perfect person. That's coming. That's coming. It won't be here. I mean, I think of Brother Kent going on to glory today. Hey, everything's going to be right from now on. In his life, he's seen Jesus, he's walking with him, he's rejoicing in what he's been looking forward to all these years. When he stopped breathing here, he opened up his eyes in glory, and I can only imagine the shout that must have came from his lips. Hallelujah. And he's still shouting. I'm kind of envious of that. But for all of us who are saved, our time's coming, amen. Amen. Since the Bible says, as it is appointed unto man, wants to die after this judgment, I would assure anyone here that's never truly been born again that you get the matter settled today. But you're going to have to see yourself for what you are. I want you to notice some lessons that we get from this passage. Number one, no, there's no value merely in assembling with God's people. In this case, it was with the sons of God. Satan is there. That didn't make him saved. You understand that he's still wicked, still ungodly, still wrong, still an enemy of God, all of that. And there are a lot of people going to churches today around the country. They're going to churches. And I want you to understand this. You know, some people think, are you saying, preacher, you've got to be a Baptist to go to heaven? No, we're so narrow-minded. Uh, let me tell you something. We believe there are a whole lot of Baptists that aren't going to heaven. Because Jesus didn't say, except a man be a Baptist, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. If you're lost, coming to this church won't take you to heaven. You've got to get born again. I don't care what church, join all the churches that are in this country. You'd die and go to hell if you don't get born again. That's very, very simple. You see, nothing Satan does is accepted by God. It is not acceptable worship. Jesus even told the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And just before that he said to her, Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. He wasn't saying she didn't worship. He was saying her worship didn't count for anything. Because she hadn't gotten born again yet. Now that happens in just a few more verses. When she said, I know Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. And Jesus spoke to her and said, I that speak unto thee am he. And then she went into the city to tell everyone. She had met the one who is the Christ. She recognized him for who he was. But just coming to the service, you don't get any special points to take you to heaven for that. There was a man that Jesus talked about. In the gospel accounts, a man that went into the king's feast. But he didn't have on the right clothes. And because he didn't have on the right clothes, he was cast out into outer darkness. Now, it wasn't a matter of being clothed with a suit like this. It was a matter of having the robe of the righteousness of Christ upon him. And you only get the robe of the righteousness of Christ by turning to the Lord Jesus Christ and being saved. You know, some people think that they're Christian because of a Christian mom or a Christian dad. Some think that they're Christian simply because they're a member of a church someplace and you can put the denomination after it, but that doesn't take a person to heaven. You know, to, to trust a church to take you to heaven, that's kind of like going into a garage and riding Ford on your head and make car noises. You're still not a car. Do you understand that? And just because you might be a church member, you might even be a church member of Madison Baptist Church. That does not take you to heaven. Have you been born again? Jesus is very plain, except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not, I said unto thee, ye must be born again. And when he said that, he was talking to a very religious man. A man who believed in Jehovah God, who manifested twice a week, a man who gave tithes of all that he possessed. And he said, Marvel not, I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Religious people have to be born again in order to go to heaven. Not only that, it's not beneficial to one's own self. The devil remained a fallen spirit. He remained the devil even though he's at this meeting. Some people put on religion. But that's a far cry from salvation. Romans 8, 8 declares, For they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Well, preacher, I try to be a good person. You can't be good enough to go to heaven. Can't happen. You've got to see yourself as the sinner that God proclaims you as being. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 10, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. In verses 22 and 23 of the same chapter, he says, For there is no difference for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. Doesn't make any difference where you're from. It doesn't make any difference what your status in society is. It doesn't make any difference what the color of your skin is. You must be born again. Without that, there is absolutely no heaven. That's the way it is. But The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. When Paul had the Philippian jailer fall down before him, In Acts chapter 16, the Philippian jailer cried out and he said, what must I do to be saved? Listen to this answer. It's the answer Paul gave. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He's the only one who can save you. Peter preaching in Acts 4.12 declared, neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must Be saved. It's only in Jesus Christ. Now, when I got saved back in 1971, I was a country western disc jockey. I trusted Christ as Savior at the radio station where I was working. I didn't even get saved at church. How about that? And of all places to get saved at, a country western radio station. uh, That's where I trusted Christ as my Savior. He made me a new creature. When I put my faith in Christ, He saved my soul. I don't care where you're at. You're in church today. But if you don't have salvation, you need to come to Jesus Christ today. And he'll give you eternal life. The Bible says, Jesus said, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You come to Jesus today, he will forgive you, give you eternal life and a destiny that leads you to heaven. What a marvelous truth. By the way, uh, we got Satan coming here, by the way, to accuse the brethren. Satan found fault with Job and he sought his destruction. And you know, there are a lot of people that go to church who hate church people. I mean, there are a lot of people that go into church and the only reason they're there is to find fault with the people that are there so they feel better about themselves. You realize the accuser of the brethren is Satan himself. And the thing is, a lot of times all he has to do to accuse the brethren is just tell the truth. Even though he is a liar and the father of it, I'll tell you what, he'd have a lot to say about most all of us. But this occasion of him being with the sons of God, it doesn't change what he is. By the way, a lot of that kind of finding fault with the people of God is just simply part of gossip, which is sin as well. It's, uh, it's uh, finding fault with the people of God. Not only that, the best assemblies are not free from the evil one. I don't care what church it is, how big it is, how good the people are, how much they give, how much they give to missions, how much they seem to care for people that are around them and what the best for people. There is no congregation where he doesn't at least have one of his entities taking part. We should continue to meet with the saints. Have you ever met people who said they wouldn't go to church because of people that were there? Now, I'm sorry, that is so hypocritical. You talk about hypocrites. People that make a statement like that, well, I'm not going to go to church because there are hypocrites there. Then stop going to Walmart because there are hypocrites there. Stop going to the football games and the baseball games because there are hypocrites there. Stop going to all the stores around here because there are hypocrites that go into the store. Church seems to be the only place that people don't go because there are hypocrites there. Now, I was brought up going to the Eagles, the Moose, the VFW, and guess what? There are hypocrites there. That's where my mom and dad took me as a kid. We were always in the drinking places all the time, and there was always stuff going on. People backbiting one another, all kinds of things that were going on. I guess they didn't take notice much because... Many times they were too drunk for it. But as a little kid, I saw the different infighting and stuff that was going on. But it's funny. They'll go to the bar, even though there are hypocrites there. But they won't go to church because there are hypocrites there. Well, what makes them a hypocrite? I like what one preacher said. He said, we may have hypocrites in our church, but at least they come. What is a hypocrite? Somebody does something you don't like? Is that what makes them a hypocrite? Do you think you ever do something that other people don't like? I wonder if they turn that, uh, you know, a lot of these cars now have a camera inside just to kind of protect yourself in case there's an accident. What if we turned those cameras around and just took note of you throughout the day as you're driving through Huntsville, Alabama? Uh, Would you, (laughs) what would you look like? I mean, after all, with all the jerks that you pass every day and people who got their licenses out of Cracker Jack boxes, how you responded when you got cut off. Does that make you a hypocrite? No. You see, just the fact that there are people there who aren't what they're supposed to be is really a hypocritical way of trying to hide your own sin. Bible says we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. By the way, for those of us who are saved, it should make us watchful uh, when things are going well. We understand the devil doesn't like it when things are going well at a Bible-believing church. And he even gives us a warning in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. He declares, be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour He wants your destruction. If you're lost, he wants you to end up in hell, the devil does. And by the way, if you're saved, he can't get your soul, but he doesn't want you to glorify the Lord. So he's going to do what he can to try to create a problem for you. That's what he does. We should be watchful in prayer. You remember on the night before the crucifixion, Jesus told Peter, Peter, Satan hath desired to have you, but I have prayed. For you, and he told him to watch and to pray. Yes, we realize that when God's blessing here, the devil's gonna do what he can to try to get it stopped. Jesus knew the danger, not only from Judas, but also for Peter. In Matthew chapter 16, you remember, here's Peter. Now, Peter was a follower of Christ. He'd made very clear his declaration. We believe that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. So Jesus begins to talk about the fact that he was going to Jerusalem, where he was going to be slain by the chief priests and scribes, and he was going to be raised the third day. And Peter took him and rebuked him and said, Not so, Lord. And so Jesus turned to Peter and said to him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me. Whoa, Satan coming out of the mouth of Peter. What about that? What a strong rebuke. Peter said something I'll guarantee you he has wished ever since he'd never said it. Because you see, it's in the book. And that book is preserved forever, forever, O Lord. Thy word is settled in heaven. I think a lot of us ought to be glad we didn't live in Bible days. There's no telling what might have been recorded that we've said. I mean, just think about it for a bit. But here was Peter actually uttering something that would be such an embarrassment to him later on. By the way, that should cause those of us who preach the word to be faithful to it. Because we don't want Satan, he he may come or he may send one of his demons to a service or two of his demons or three of his demons to a service, but we don't want him to feel comfortable here. I mean, if this is a place where the devil feels comfortable, we're not doing what we ought to be doing. I mean, we preach against sin. That ought to make some people mad. And people don't like us preaching against alcohol. Why? Because they take it. They don't like us preaching against drugs. And by the way, marijuana is still a drug. It may be legal, but it's not right. Right. Just as wicked. Matter of fact, there was an interesting article the other day, and it wasn't in a Christian magazine. National News, they're finding out that more and more people, since more and more people now are taking marijuana, that it's causing a great deal of problem for the younger generation, for the teenagers and up. Creating a number of, emotional and mental problems for them. It didn't help them at all. Medical marijuana, I think it's about time we finally have something that's medical that's a help instead of a hurt. But no, we get, we get so caught up in all this side stuff. Well, you know, I, I do that just, I, that's my medicine. Yeah, it sounds like the drunk that keeps drinking. It's his medicine that keeps him drunk. But it shouldn't make us faithful. Faithful in preaching the gospel. Satan doesn't like that. Faithful in standing for righteousness and holiness. Satan doesn't like that. I mean, faithfulness in giving. Satan doesn't like that. You say, there you go, preaching on money. Didn't say a word about money until just a second ago. It's amazing how that makes some people upset. We had, uh, I had a deacon when I pastored in Manchester, Tennessee, who had a friend, a next-door neighbor, that uh, didn't go to church. And he said he wouldn't go to church. Because all they talked about at church is money. Now they should have been happy here. We don't even take up an offering. How about that? Our people give. Man that's what the boxes in the, are in the back for. Our people give. We don't even take up an offering. They, people give. Yes. We receive the offering. We don't take it up. Now but this guy. he had, Well one Sunday. I had. An evangelist in to preach. And that evangelist got up to preach. And by the way, that Sunday, that neighbor of our deacon, he came to the service that day. And the, the the evangelist got up and he said turn to Malachi chapter three. Where God says you have robbed God. They said wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. And he preached that whole message on the curse of robbing God. I think I know why. God knew that's the message that man needed to hear. And he didn't go out a happy camper. I mean, the truth is, man, if you're lost, you ought to be under conviction when you leave here. I know this. If people who are lost come to church and they're under conviction about their lost condition, they'll think about it. They may get mad, but they'll think about it. I can't tell you how many people that I've seen that have trusted Christ as Savior, but they got mad first. They didn't like like what they heard first. But when they got saved, they were so glad that they heard it. But I'll tell you this, people that aren't under conviction, that it doesn't bother at all one way or another, uh, they're just going to stay lost. Conviction will make some people mad before they get saved. Well, why would Satan enter into an assembly? Number one, to do mischief to the saints. I mean, after all, by accusing them before the Lord, even in holy things, by calling their thoughts away from heavenly concerns. There are so many possible distractions that can come in a congregation. It's one of the reasons why I am not a fan at all of using the Bible on your phone in church or using iPads or those, what do you call them? They're not notebooks. What are they called? Tablets. Tablets. That's what they are. I, I'm, I'm not a fan of that. Because number one, it catches other people's attention and gets their attention away from the preaching that's going on. And if you happen to have a little beeper that lets you know, or it doesn't even have to beep. But the screen changes because uh, you just got an email, causes people beside you to peek over, get your mind off what's being preached. Now, I know this gets folks upset today, but listen to me, folks. This right here, this works real good. And by the way, this helps the, helps the, I'm trying to think of the word. There's no climate change that comes with this. You don't have to worry about a carbon footprint because, you see, it doesn't run on batteries. You don't have to plug it in. It's always on. Always on. This good stuff right here. I like that. And we're in the house of God. Hey, hey by the way, picture comes up of your grandchildren. People got to see that. i tell you where churches are using their phone for their Bible, are using their tablets uh, while they're in the service and using the Bible on that. I can't tell you how many times you'll see people who used to worship God and singing don't sing because they're busy looking at things. Well, the preaching isn't going on yet. Yeah, but worship is just as much a part of the service as the preaching. You ought to have your mind on the Word of God, on the truths that God has, and worship Him in spirit and in truth. Not only that, by sending them to criticize instead of hearing for profit. Man, we're just seekers. Truth is, church is more like a hospital. We're here to help people, and I don't know if you realize this or not, but there are a whole lot of people in this auditorium today that have got some great burdens on their heart, and they need something from God and from His Word. By the way, that's the reason we have a nursery, too. It lessens the interruptions that take place in a service and keeps people's attention right here. Now, if we were all blind and didn't see things, it probably wouldn't be much of a problem. Some of you remember when John Bishop was here the last time. Uh, John Bishop, tremendous preacher out in Arkansas, strong stand on the word of God, all of that. Well, he got a type of spinal meningitis that basically erased his mind of so many things that he had known. His wife had to teach him how to read. Uh, she had, matter of fact, he, he would say uh, she had to teach me how to kiss again, too. She said, he said, I really like those lessons. But anyway... <laughs> But you remember his his grammar was terrible after all that took place and and he'd have trouble preaching. Well, he ended up going blind. The last time we had him, he had gone blind where he couldn't see what was going on. And it had made a difference in his language because he wasn't distracted by various movements in the service. And after he had made that announcement, he's up there preaching and we had a young lady that was seated over in this section. And evidently she got sick and got out of her pew and was walking back that way. And right about back over there behind the Greys, she threw up. I may remember that. when she, Yeah. She threw up all over. I mean, she didn't just throw up. She threw up. <laughs> this is pleasant just before you eat, isn't it? And we had several men that got up immediately to go. Man, they cleaned it up. They were doing a lot. He never missed a beat. He didn't see it. He was able to keep his attention on what he was saying. We need to keep our attention on what's being said from the preaching of the word of God. So why would Satan enter into an assembly to do mischief to the saints? Also to do mischief to the sinners by distracting them from saving truth. By raising doubts, by suggesting skeptical ideas, putting the man before the master, by suggesting delay. Hey, tomorrow, I think tomorrow is one of the devil's favorite words. Tomorrow, I need to get saved. Oh, you can. Do it tomorrow. But the Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. If you're lost, God doesn't want you to wait another hour, doesn't want you to wait another day or another week. He wants you saved today. You say, preacher, I got things I got to work out. No, you don't. What you need to do is turn to Christ and let him do a work in you. Your greatest problem is the destiny of your soul, but if the devil can get you to put it off. The Bible says, boast not thyself the tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Listen, God wants you to be saved, and he wants you to be saved today. No wonder we're warned, neither give place to the devil in Ephesians 5.27. So what should we do? Well, let me give you a couple things, and we'll be done. Number one, we need to make sure that no one of us bring him in. I mean, really, let's make sure no one of us bring him in. In other words, you're in the car on the way here. Don't you get in an argument with your wife. You leave the devil outside your car. You don't want to be any distraction. Amazing how many people have. It's amazing how many. I'm trying to think of how to describe this. Because fight has different connotations to different people. But strong disagreements that take place. Or kids acting up in the car. And everybody gets out of sorts. Man, they're mad. And they get out of the car and walk in with a smile on their face. Hi, preacher, how's it going? And they've just been fighting. What happened? Satan got in the car with them or one of his minions did. Get their attention off. Get them in a wrong spirit. We need to be prayed up and right with God, guarding both our motives and our tongue. Our motives should be to serve and to exhort others. The Bible says, exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. To think about going to church to be a blessing to others. To see others, to encourage them. Make sure we do not give place to him when we enter. Remember, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. We ought to be a defender of the brethren. I know a lot of good folks. I think we've got a lot of good folks here at Madison Baptist Church. We just don't have any perfect people. And I know this. Good Christians get out of sorts once in a while. I know it's hard for you to believe. I get out of sorts once in a while. How about, no, not you. I'm hurt now. I'm out of sorts now, Brother Larry. (laughs) We have to be careful. And we need to run him out when he enters. James chapter 4, verse 7. He says, submit yourself therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's a plan right there. Submitting ourselves unto God. And we need to pray more earnestly. Deliver us from the evil one. Thank God we have a powerful God. We have a God who purchased our salvation at Calvary. A God who gives us warning, Satan hath desired to have you. He lets us know, but we have some responsibility in this matter. Thank God he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. We have such a great God. But let's not be careless as Paul warned the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20. After his departing, he said, Grievous wolves have come in among you, devouring the flock. Satan's not changed his tactics. He's already warned us. So let's not be naive. We're not ignorant of his devices. Let's not be naive. In a church service, sometimes it may take place back in junior church. Sometimes it may take place in the foyer. Sometimes it might take place while people are walking around shaking hands. And they happen to look across the auditorium and they know a certain person is looking at them. And they're not smiling and you get offended. When they probably didn't even see you. I mean really. You know, for instance, right now. I'm looking in this direction right here. So you know I'm not looking at you. Not looking at you. But back here, you don't know who I'm looking at. For all of you, it looks like I'm looking at all of you. But I was looking at one person in particular. Trouble. Just trouble. Amen. Listen to me. Satan does come to church. He does come to church. You say, then then why are we meeting? Well, that's all right. He's been going to church a lot, never for his good. It doesn't help him. He's not there for that. It's another place where he gets an opportunity to devour some folks. Those that are lost, to keep them lost. Something happened in the service you don't like? Listen, turn to Jesus. I realize I get loud. By the way, ever since I've been saved, I've been loud preaching. I love the Word of God. And I don't believe in just getting up and telling a bunch of cute little stories and just ending it at that. I believe in preaching hard against sin. People need to know they're sinners and they need to know that sin is wicked and wrong and God hates it. And for that, I believe, and it's my nature to just put it out there like it is. I found this, if the preacher beats around the bush... Most of the people don't get what he's saying. But when you get straight, and that's where people get upset about it, thank God at least they'll think about it. Have you prayed for God's power today? The Bible says if our gospel be hid, it is hid unto them which are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Obviously, in a congregation this size, there's bound to be some here that have never truly been born again. I pray they come to Christ today. For those who have been born again, whatever's going on in your life, that you'll be drawn to walk closer to him. Get those things out of your life that God doesn't want there, that you may be pleasing to him in every area of your walk. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Father, do a work in our lives. Save the lost, we pray. Draw your people, I pray, to a closer walk with our God. Have your way in every heart and life, for I plead it in Jesus' name.